On today's show, diving into another draft prospect, looking at overtime elites, Amen Thompson. How good is he? Should he actually be maybe a top three prospect? Could he even be available for the Pacers? What makes him so good and why the boomer bust label might be accurate for him? It's all coming with Ben Pfeiffer on today's Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI. And today, back on the draft prospect grind, took a few days off with the combine and the lottery and some free agency stuff, but it's Amen Thompson time, one of the top guys in this class. Some people I've talked to have him third way up there. Some people don't have him even close to that eye. Very interesting how you evaluate players kind of prospect on their ceiling, on their floor, what skills are important to you. All that stuff is very important with a guy like Amen Thompson. Plus, overtime elite. How good is this league? What is it? Ben Pfeiffer is going to join us to talk about all that, scouting players on his own YouTube channel. He will also be our guest for Asar Thompson for Friday's episode. We recorded these back-to-back, so very convenient. Hope you learned something today. Lots of fun stuff coming with Ben Pfeiffer on Amen Thompson. Let's get right to it. Ben Pfeiffer is here. We got to talk about the Thompson twins today. We'll do Amen first, the overtime elites guard forward thing. I don't even know what to call the positions in this league. Ben does prospect breakdowns for every prospect over on his YouTube channel, which you should check out. I'll put the link, if you're on YouTube right now, down in the description I have to start, actually, Ben, with the Overtime Elite League itself because I know there's a lot of questions through this process, and there will be, and there will be less of these in the future because the league has now gone through a process of, how good is this? Is this translatable to the NBA? What mm-hmm. does this actually mean? And it's really funny because it's only like a third of the possessions, but it feels like the whole game is in transition. Like they're just, The one pass, the ball's on one of the court, and then it's on the other end of the court, and there's alley-oops like every time. I was joking with you before we started recording, like in the middle of the first game I watched, they cut to this other player who's not even playing, and it's called the the vibe cam or something like that. I was like, they certainly know their audience. It it's really like a highlight league. And there are like good half court moments. I put a clip up of it, but it's like you can tell the players are good and not good, but it's really hard to get a sense of like what is actually happening, if that makes any sense. What do you think of overtime elite and how it will translate to the NBA? Or if this is even a conversation worth happening, and it's just like it doesn't matter. They're just good basketball players. I mean, for the twins, I I don't think it like matters that much, but I do think it's an interesting conversation because like they won't be the only prospects. Like there are two prospects from OT who are like who are at the combine, like Jay Gort and Jalen Martin, or at least like the G League camp. Um, like so, not just the twins. So like they're pumping out like other potential like draft picks. But I think OT is pretty interesting. Um, like I mean, like the level of competition is obviously worse than like power five NCAA basketball, like no question, but I definitely think it is probably also like not as bad as people tend to say. I think there are moments, like you said, where it's just like transition and fast breaking, but also I think part of that is just because of how, how good like the twins are in transition is that they just do it all the time. Um, I think especially in like the OT playoff games, like it was more half court and there was more, um, there were more sets and more like half court defense. Um, it's an interest. It's a really interesting like developmental environment for sure. Cause 
like while the, the the age thing definitely matters for the twins, like they are playing like top prospects, like they're playing guys who will be like top picks in future drafts. Um, like it's not great, but like I think like if the twins were at like a mid major um like school or like mid low major, which like obviously we have NBA players come from mid low mid low majors like fairly often. Um, like I don't think the competition like gap is that much wider. But I like I think OT is, is interesting. I mean, I feel like I can't really have that concrete of a take on it just because like we don't really have a sample yet. Yep. Like the only like NBA guy is like Dom Barlow, like who's just like floated, you know, in and out of the Spurs G League. So that's you know not gonna be a conclusive you know thing thing to take away from from OTE. But in terms of the twins, I mean I like that they're both like you know the the engines of that team and they're able to you know kind of do whatever they want and have that responsibility. Um so I mean in terms of like competition compared to like college basketball or like even like oh well I mean obviously like G League. It's it's not obviously not like a pro league, but I think it's like pretty solid or more solid than it gets credit for. It's really fun to watch. Like if you just flipped it on with your friends, you'd be like, hell yeah. <laughs> this is so awesome. they they clearly like know their audience is what yeah. like with like, the vibe cam and like all like the, the stuff they do. Like um like 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 it's like dual purpose. Like obviously like obviously it's like a men and a SAR, like you know, like gonna like serious draft prospects, but it's also like we're gonna make a leap that's like really fun for like it's like everyone who loved watching like like the Lonzo Lamello, like Chino Hills team. Like that's who this is for. Like <laughs> for people who are psyched that slam ball is back. <laughs> yes. Yes. There's no yes. trampolines on the court, but these are some bouncy dudes. Look, next uh, steps for OTE, maybe. <laughs> yeah, you really put yeah, I don't think they'll get scouted very much if they actually put a trampoline on the court. <laughs> it's a little harder to take those guys seriously. I think a man definitely like bang his head on like the gym ceiling if <laughs> if that was dangerous. We'll do a men first and then we'll do a second second conversation about Asar. It, there, it's weird, like, people, I wouldn't say talk about this, but it's interesting with twins, right? Like, the Morris twins went one pick apart. The Lopez twins went a few picks apart. But being twins does not mean you're the same player at all, as you especially can tell from the Lopez twins. But even even Marcus Morris became a perimeter guy, and Markeith Morris never did, and one's still in the league and one's not. Like, they're just different. A man is definitely the better creator. And I think that's where... As a prospect, he really stands out as like he's so quick in the open floor. He's shifty with the ball. He can just get past dudes really easily. And that super athlete creator type means his ceiling is really high. I don't know what his floor is in the NBA, but that is sort of the high level appeal of him as a prospect to me. It's just like, oh, wow. You know, even if his shot never comes, if he can just beat anybody off the dribble or is athletic enough to create a shot, then that's going to have value because shot creation is important in the NBA. Yeah. Um, I've said this plenty of times before, but Amen is like the best athlete I've ever scouted. Um, like the the only people that come closer, like Zion, um, like college Derek Rose and like guys like that. Um, yeah, I think the shot is is concerning okay. for sure, which I'm sure we'll get into. But like okay. he is just like legitimately impossible to stay in front of in terms of first step. And also like when he gets to the rim, like his vertical explosion is God tier, like his body control and balance and flexibility in air 
I think maybe his most like uniquely special athletic trait is like his ability to stop and start with like zero lag or like loss of speed, which is just like a trait that like is not supposed to happen and just like other players don't have. Um, and I think honestly that like causes problems for like a minute at this stage of his career points where like notably I think he'll be like too fast for his handle. Um, or like I think like like his like I mean I, I would say this like I think Amen and Asar, like, it's, like, obviously constructive to, like, talk about them because they are, like, together because they are twins and, like, there's a lot of physical similarities. But they're, like, really different players. They are. They're really, really different players. Um, like, like Asar is an amazing ball handler, but Amen, like, will, like, lose his handle without pressure because he's just so freaking fast. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, I agree with you. Like, I think, like, the high-end, like, advantage creation is elite it is ridiculous and there are definitely flaws there are definitely ways that he could you know not be as effective in the nba but the fact that he has that ceiling as an advantage creator not only for himself but for others because of how amazing of a passer he is really good um, there's just like i think that the floor is definitely lower than asar but I don't think just because of the shot, like the fact that you like that level of athletic tools in passing, I just think he's going to be able to like add value somehow, even if he isn't like a primary creator. Hey guys, quick little break so I can talk to you about bird dogs. Your clothing should fit you well. It should be comfortable and it should provide versatility. That is at least what I value in my clothing. And that is what bird dogs does. I have two pairs that are shorts. Oh, they're the best. They have like little boxer inseams in them. So they're super comfy and you can wear them to so many things for athletic events, for professional events, for just walking around, for sitting in your house, whatever you do. They're perfect. I look and feel better and I feel great wearing them. I like the, the they have the perfect length. Their seven inch inseam shorts are perfect for me. The stretchy fabric makes my legs look awesome and they're way comfier than my other shorts for sleeping or doing activities. And they give me the freedom that I can just wear them, put them on when the day starts, go wherever I go meeting, golfing, walking around the city, running, going to a practice, whatever, a date. I can do it, use Bird Dogs for all those things. It's absolutely perfect. Lots of uh, celebrities have endorsed them and suggest they love them for good reason. They're fantastic shorts and pants, and you've got to try them yourself. So go to birddogs.com slash LockdownNBA, and when you enter the promo code LockdownNBA, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. So check out Bird Dogs today. You will not be disappointed. And when you check out, use that code LockdownNBA. So I have three notes in a row that you covered kind of all of <laughs> just now. Nice. One is that he can kind of be a point forward because of his size and athleticism and burst with the ball. And I think it's valuable in the way the NBA is played these days. Look at every postseason team. Well, I guess Jokic is kind of an exception, but the th three of the final four teams have really good wing size creation on their team. And it's really valuable for them because right. that's harder to guard. That's harder to scheme against. You have to have bigger defenders on the court all the time if you're the other team and sometimes those guys aren't as good offensively like big ups to the Denver Nuggets for not having those guys and have Aaron Gordon non-shooter be so good in, in the playoffs that's unrelated to this conversation. Hit a couple threes last night. He did he did <laughs> I can't believe it we are eight minutes and 40 seconds into a podcast and we haven't mentioned LeBron or retiring yet and it, it we're breaking all the rules um so that was one point forward type number happen. two no way. you said it yeah no chance uh number two burst is crazy just like even when he stops, like you said, and just starts going again, it's like, oh, he just beat a guy with one dribble super easily. And three, I put plural in here, which is dumb because I was doing notes separately for them. I put really good passers, even though I'm just talking about one player. But they he, are both he, good passers. 
he's good at the Kevin Love passes, like those full court outlets, just times guys up. Like he, they are mm-hmm. both good passers, but like that, if it all translates to the NBA again, that's a lot of the OTE questions. Is like, okay, if you can just one dribble, you're half a step past a guy, and you require a defense to rotate, and you can pass. Like it's very easy for me to see the blueprint of how that specific grouping of skills will make you valuable to an NBA team. Like uh, we'll get to the other stuff. There's weaknesses for sure, but that alone seems important to me, especially watching the playoffs right now. Yeah, that's I think extremely important. Um, I, I think like he and Asar have just like like twin brother like telepathy um with those like love outlet passes because they both are like on the receiving end the you know the passing end of those um just like you know making like lobs and full court passes that you would just never expect anyone to be able to get to but yeah i think a man being like six seven like and and really really strong and athletic like if he was like six two in a non-shooter like that would be a problem like or more of a problem but the fact that like he can be a wing on defense for sure. Um, and like you can play smaller shooters like next to him. I think like having like a, as we like see, like, like you mentioned, like having like a guy like Jimmy Butler, obviously like, you know, very different prospects, like a lot, like allowing you to play a smaller players who are not creators, but add stuff as like off ball shooters or, you know, it's like secondary creators like Duncan and Struess and Gabe Vincent, like that matters. Like for that, like roster flexibility, like, so you don't have to have like your, you know, your point guard be your creator. Um, I think that's you know a big case for all wing creators, but especially for someone like a men who is just like the, the, the creation tools are just ridiculous. And like, when we're talking about prospects, like an upside, like the draft is about finding stars, especially at the top. And aside from maybe like, you know, uh, I don't know, like an elite, elite, like rim protector, there's like nothing more valuable than like a ridiculous like primary advantage creator. Um, so that's like the elevator pitch for a man, I guess. Like, not all actually. I, I guess. Sorry. Go ahead. I was just gonna like, yeah, like he is like also like a legitimately like brilliant passer too, um, which is also good. I agree, and yet it's not all sunshine and rainbows. There's a reason he's not anyone's top two. I have never seen someone with him at two. I have seen people with him at three. I've never seen someone with him at two. That's because there are some weaknesses to his game. Uh, you have him at two? Is that why you just raised your hand? Oh, no, I have him at three. Uh, I, will I, not. I, I have him at three. Okay, okay. I've okay. considered him at two. I will not get him at two. Not, no. Not, not, not and like, it's not because, I mean, I mean that's just could more because of how freaking amazing Scoot is. But like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, so there are weaknesses to his game that prevent him from – this is why I have some fears with him, even though I'm probably going to end up with him pretty high. Um, the off ball is <laughs> um, re- okay. So first of all, finding overtime elite stats is kind of hard. <laughs> um, there are ways you can do it. Synergy and pro ballers and overtime elites official page all have like slightly different numbers for stuff. So I'm like, I think I know, but they're, they're all close. Like, I don't think I'm like so off base yeah. using numbers. OT take is everything pretty good statistics. before tracking, but yeah. Yeah. But percentages are hard to find, and uh, specifically for them, 25.3% on the regular season from three from Ann Thompson. Like, that is – that's pretty bad. He can, He's not an off-ball threat at all, not even getting guarded a lot of the time from out there. We'll get to his brother on Friday's show, and there's more upside as a shooter there. That is concerning. Like, if, if, the, adva- if the creation doesn't translate and he's not an off-ball threat at all, all of a sudden you're, like, praying he's a good defender because – his off-ball skills on offense could 
could if the shot doesn't translate at all or is not a thing and he's not like a great free throw shooter either that could be a big hindrance for him because both of them are kind of mechanically weird as shooters too so if it's not something that is ever a part of their game they're kind of required to be a good point forward or they're gonna kind of struggle to have total team impact especially if they're not the ball all the time and this is a pacers podcast you're not gonna have the ball all the time <laughs> the pacers tyrus halbert's gonna have the ball all the time so you're gonna have to shoot at some point, so the the three point percentage from a Pacers perspective specifically, this is, is concerning. Maybe less so for other teams, but uh, I'm curious what you think of his off ball game because I was not that impressed. I mean, yeah, I think the the big case is just like the level of shooter he has to get to is just like so much lower than most guys. Like he literally, like to me, like he literally just has nope. to not be Ben. Like, like he just has to not be Ben Simmons. Like. Which I think, like, again, it's really, uh, really You think so? I Like, if he's, like, a 30% guy, I don't think that would be enough. I think that would be bad. I think, I don't know. I mean, maybe not for, like, his, nine, maybe not for his, like, 99th percentile outcome. Like, I think you would need a little more than that. But I think just because of, like, how oppressive, like, he's going to be as a driver and a passer. Like, like it's, it's tough because, like, people are right. Like, yeah, it's like, you know, we don't know with OT. Like, we haven't really seen, like, OT guys or guys with this level of shooting. But we also haven't really seen anyone with his level of, you know, athletic tools and, and passing and passing game. But I definitely agree that, like, he, he's not as good off ball um, as his brother probably as, as well. But I think that's stuff that can also, like, be developed as well. Um, especially like, you know, like I, it seems unlikely that he would, you know, be a guy the Pacers ended up getting unless they like trade up or something weird happened. But like, I think in theory, like I, I, I like his like extreme rim pressure compliment to, to Hallie, honestly, um, where like Hallie obviously is going to have the ball like a bunch cause he's the goat and he's incredible. <laughs> but, um, I think as someone who like, like that transition game with, Amen and Halliburton and Matherin um, would be like diabolical. So I think the like I don't know I I think the shooting is definitely like a worry. Um, like it definitely does matter, but I think like overall, like for me at least, like the high end is just so high that like it's worth the risk to me. Like there definitely is risk with that shooting, but for me, I think like. I would rather take that swing because um, if you hit, you're hitting huge. Then you know, go safer and you know, allow for some other team to to get that. That's just my philosophy on on the whole kind of amend thing as well. So I think I'm willing to take the swing too because it's something we haven't talked about yet. Defense side of the ball exists. And he can stay in front of guys pretty well. The athleticism helps a lot there. That's actually kind of a theme for a lot of these top guys in this class to me is like they're all athletically gifted enough on defense to stay in front of people. Yeah, this is a the college guys. This is a this is a ridiculously athletic class. I mean, part of why it's yeah. so good, but like ridiculously <laughs> athletic class. Even the non-athletic guys are like decent on that end <laughs> of the floor. So because I think he's get, like I, the team defense in OTE is. <laughs> terrible um and his his is bad I'm, this is not to say it's the structure it's him too but uh i think the fact that he could maybe be like a decent wing stopper not a great one but a decent one he's not like huge or muscular but um i think that makes me think the swing would be worth it because 
again, the, there could be like the floor might be low. If he's just a terrible off ball player, the floor might be really low, but at least you can have, have him on the floor. Like I say this a lot with wings. You don't have to be good at both, but if you can either shoot or defend just one, you can play in the NBA, right? That, that just one of the two. Doug McDermott gets $14 million a year, and all he can do is run in a straight line and shoot threes. And that's awesome. That's really valuable. He's a good and player. Too. And don't forget about that. <laughs> He's a good player. His two-man game with Sabonis was huge for the Pacers for years. But, like, it, it, it's critical that you can do one or the other. Aaron Neesmith is a great defender. When his shot was gone, the Celtics could still sometimes put him out there because his defense was fine. Like, those are extreme examples. So, These Pacers so funny. Them. It's like, What's funny about Aaron Neesmith? That that he turned out the way he is, like a guy who can't shoot but is like an effort defender because he was. Well, he could shoot a little. What did he shoot this year from three? Like was 35%. it like? Oh, I didn't realize it was that high. Never mind. I mean, that's still you know. Steve Amon Thompson hits Aaron Neesmith threes. He'll be really good. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yes, he was not. He'd be a better. Yes, shooter. that's true. If if, <laughs> if if a man is Aaron Neesmith, then it'll be great. <laughs> No, not as a player. But either way, I to say, that's what I feel about wings. If you can just do one side of the ball, you can play on the floor. And so the reason I'm willing to swing on a man is I think the defense could be good enough that even if the the off-ball stuff never comes and you're just like, this is a jumbo creator sometimes, he can be on the floor. And that means the, that the downside I don't think is as high as a lot of people kind of blanket put him under this like high ceiling loafer kind of guy. One more break here, guys, so I can talk to you about FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs. Game five coming up for Celtics Heat playoffs. Excuse me, finals in like eight days. And right now, new customers on FanDuel get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's right, $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. They have great promotions on FanDuel every day. They do their three-by-three, so... Will a team hit three or more threes in the first couple minutes of a game? They have a safe and secure app. You can get paid your winnings instantly. There's no better place to bet on all the NBA playoff action than America's number one sports book. That's FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. I think... I honestly think like the variance is higher on defense than it is on offense. Um, I agree that like like yeah, this is it's it's not an uncommon thing for like young star creators at like pre NBA levels to be like space cadets on defense. Um, like that's not space uncommon cadet. at all. Like that's <laughs> like that's that's not like a it, it it's not like players go from like you know, generally apathetic and not really aware and stuff to solid to good defenders pretty regularly. So like that, I think the fact that like his biggest like concerns are just that like his motor runs really like his motor will run, will run low at times. Um, and that he just kind of, you know, will, will stop. He'll, he'll like get swipe happy on the ball. Um, where I think like, as you kind of mentioned, like the biggest, like real concern is that he's not like the strongest prospect in the world. And like, he's not like, he's not like weak or anything. He's just not like huge or ripped or muscular. Like he's no like OG or whatever, but the, the baseline of his level of like athletic tools, like the flashes of like sliding with defenders on ball and just like swallowing up, like pull up jumpers and, and layups. And also some of like the ridiculous like rotations and flashes of like instincts on the back line and like jumping passing lanes that he shows like fairly often as well. Definitely give me hope that he could be a really good defender. So 
I I mean, I fully agree with you on like the the macro stance that like you know I, like I think he's gonna be a good enough defender to stay on the floor if I had to bet. Um, definitely, it's gonna require like you know like the right defensive coaching, the right um, defensive scheme to help him work on it. I mean, that's you know the truth with basically every prospect, but um, the defensive ceiling, yeah. I mean, just like with like I think it's you're you're probably gonna be hard pressed to find someone with like that level of athletic tools that's just like horrible on defense like it like, it, like it's possible yeah but like it's you know it's not common necessarily the second ote game i watched their halftime show they flashed this big graphic ben and it said i'm in thompson nba comparison who do you think the player they showed was on the right side of the screen oh geez um <laughs> i don't know it was like jaw so i've seen jaw before i hate yeah, okay. That that's reasonably close. Uh that's not who it was. Um I hate comps to be clear, but I thought this was interesting. It was Russell Westbrook. What do you think of that? Yeah, that would that would have been like my next guess. Yeah. Um I think like I don't think like I mean, I think a man is just like so wacky and unique. It's like hard to really envision like a comp, but I like I think like high end like like Westbrook impact like makes sense. It's just like a guy who like, you know, is just like the most dominant rim pressure threat ever. Um, like will tear teams apart with his passing, like will make plays on defense, you know, despite, you know, even at his peak being like lapsy and having um, like awareness moments and like being like, I mean, even like prime Russ was never like a great shooter, like just being good enough. Like, like you can't go under him all the time. Um, I don't, I really don't hate that as like a, a high end, like, kind of idea comp like it's not perfect obviously like I, I don't think it's i don't think it's so bad like i thought it was pretty good it's weird because he's not a point guard <laughs> like that that's stupid to say but like i don't think he'll ever take it up i don't think he'll ever set up a set not because he can't i just don't think that's what he'll be in the pros but a lot of the a lot of the stuff he does well and poorly is like yeah that's it's a pretty good comp and so I go to this question of, I put this in our little graphic for the on today's show thing, because I'm still learning how this all works. Um, what kind of position, the positions aren't a thing in the NBA. Ignore like standard positions. I mean, they like, are and they aren't. Like, yeah. The, I think it's just kind of like who can you guard and and how right. tall are you? I think if we're thinking about like roles, like, it, like I mean, I think he like, like whether or not his team asks him, like, I, I certainly think he can be a point guard. Like, and I certainly think I don't like, know, though, I maybe, maybe I think so. I mean, just because of like how amazing of like a I mean, like, I guess why not? Now really, that I think about it, Keep he's going. a really sick pick and roll passer as well. Yeah. Like he's like it's not just like his vision, his like live dribble passing capability um, and like the ability to like he's like really crafty with like fakes um, and using his eyes to, to move defenders out of the way. But I think. Like, you know, this is going to come with, with Asar, like the fact that he can put so much pressure on the defense as a driver, like opens up his passing game too. like the fact that he can like, you know, in a pick and roll, like just like run down and like a uh, drop big man force rotations and then react and, and make a pass. I think like, you know, there's people will talk about like reactive versus like proactive passers. Um, like as someone who like, you know, is just reacting to what the defense gives you or like is creating the passing angles. I think a man is someone who can like create high level passes. And that's what like, why I think, or, you know, aside from the, the scoring, 
why I think he can definitely be like an initiator, someone who really is like running your offense at, you know, assuming again, we're talking about high end outcome. He hits a level of shooting where he's not a total liability, um, which again is a big if of course, as we, as we're discussing, but like if he hits that, I think because of how amazing of a passer is, he is combined with his like rim threat. I think like the amount of good offense he can generate um, because, you know, like getting to the rim, getting free throws, you know, finding open kickouts is just good NBA offense. And that's like a men's forte. So, yeah, um, I'm with you on that. And we'll see what that looks like, because it's just interesting to have jumbo creators like not with another or with another guard on the floor. So like, what is that actually going to look like in the pros? And hey, look at every lottery team. They have like a young ish ball handler. Like, who does he slot well next to? I think the answer might be anybody. But it's going to be interesting to see what that looks like for him in the league. Does he have to switch to a little bit more off ball? Because I really believe in the on ball stuff, the athleticism, the verse with the ball, all that stuff. I think he's going right. to be good. The on ball, he's really good. So he's a super high level prospect. It's just like, what is this yeah. role going to be? I think, yeah. Like, if you draft a man, like you're committed to him, I think like it, it will take some creativity to like make him work in a scheme off the ball. But like, if you're drafting him in the top three, like, you should be committed to making it work. Like that should be well, a priority. You know who would be a great fit? The who? Spurs with Wembenyama. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have another top three pick, but he would fit awesome on that. He, team. Would, he would fit. Yeah, it'd be amazing. It was funny when the Spurs, like, like before the lottery, when they were like, the Spurs are reportedly way higher on the Twins than everyone else. So, like, you know, that would be a perfect fit. And then they, of course, you know, like, of course, they just get the number one pick. But like, <laughs> yeah, he he would be freaking awesome on the sports i actually kind of like the blazers fit too i, like I don't the blazers fit too. i don't know if they yeah. would do that or not i mean this is a pacer show i'm just it seems but. very unlikely that the blazers would would like keep lillard in a top three pick at this point yeah. i don't know yeah. but like and sharp all three yeah, yeah. i love shade and sharp like shade and sharp is sick but i think like dame has never had like a real secondary who can like put pressure on the rim like that was always like CJ's big issue or like like one of his big issues is he was just like small and was giving up on defense and he just like wasn't a huge downhill threat. Um, and, you know, was always very good, but a little redundant with Dame's like incredible shot making. Whereas like you can just like, especially as Dame ages, be like, all right, a man, just like go to the rim every time, you know, <laughs> get Dame some some catch and shoot threes, get, you know, throw some lobs to shade in or Anthony Simons. Like, I don't think that's going to happen, but like, man, would that be cool? Like, <laughs> man, that'd be cool. I'm glad they're keeping Dame, it sounds like, and committed to building around him. But, man, Simons, Amen, Shaden is, uh, is a sick it just sucks that It sucks that Lillard's not, like, three years younger. I know. Yeah, right. right. Uh, my last question on Amen, and then we'll be done. We'll talk about Asar, but that won't right. be for everybody else on Friday. Um, You'll see that later. <laughs> do you think the Boomer Bust label is fair because i rarely do but i think in this case it's 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 kind of apt like there are more bust pass i hate that word um but i boomer bust is a phrase but bust in terms of a basketball player is not what i want to use um <laughs> success and failure i feel like his range is so wide compared to a lot of prospects do you think that's like a fair label for him yeah i would probably be like i would probably think of that le- to be less true than most people um, I mean, one, like, I agree with you that I think, like, boomer bust prospects are just, like, not nearly as common as people kind of like to Agreed. make it out to be. Just because, like, most great prospects, even if they're, like, they don't hit their high end because of, like, the fact that they have those high end outcomes have ways that they can, like, 
you know, make it work. Like, I don't know, like there's a ton of examples, like, like Fultz obviously was like an incredible prospect and had a bunch of weird stuff, but like, you know, was able to find a niche, you know, because of his, um, <laughs> that's a little and, different, but yes, right. Obviously, you know, <laughs> different circumstances, but point being like, I get like, you know, despite like, I mean, like, Hey, like he's a total non-shooter basically, but because of his driving and his playmaking and like, you know, like his handle and stuff, um, he like has found a niche as like a yep. useful NBA player, despite not being like a star, like, you know, a number one pick level star. So I think like, again, like bus potential is always real. And I think honestly, like my biggest macro concern, like more than the shooting is just the fact that the twins are both like 20 already. Um, like age, I think, like, I think age matters more and less for different guys. I think for like high end stars is probably like when age is most important in terms of pro- projection um and like it's not like a negative it's not something i'm like really using to dock them because like you know they've been dominant at every level um regardless of their age and yes they're older than a lot of these guys but they're but you know even when they weren't and they played aau or they played you know even ot like they played euro team or they played top like good high school teams they always dominated but i definitely think that's like something to note something to note and i think it's like it's definitely something that like you know would would keep him out of contention from you know being better than someone like Scoot, who notably dominated the G League as at 17, like, um, which is ridiculous. Obviously, this isn't a Scoot podcast. But. Wemby dominated the French League at exactly. 16. <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah. Um, that like Luca did it. Um, Zion yeah. did it. Like all the like you know, point being, but I think like I would be pretty surprised if like a men like I don't really think there's a world. Um, where like a man is like out of the league or like totally bad, unless there's like some like weird circumstances or injuries or like, cause obviously like weird stuff happens and like, we can't really predict that. But assuming everything goes well, I think like the floor for a man is like a, you know, a role player, which obviously is like not what you want as a top three pick. But I like, I struggle to really see an outcome where he's totally not useful just because of the really high end traits that he does have. Yeah, I think his range is really wide. I think people who say that are accurate. I don't think yeah. his floor is nearly as low as the people I, who say that are implying. Yeah. That's I, think I think that just because like it, it's just like hard with him because like we've like basically never really seen like an athlete like him with his tools. So it, it, like yeah. it's hard to imagine like especially combined with this being like a new league, like it's diff like rightfully difficult for people to imagine like what that might look like in five years. And like I get that, like it like we just like don't have precedent for a lot of this. And that can be scary for sure. But I think um, like, you know, on the flip side, I think because of his little crazy athletic tools, just like the amazing like feel and the fact that in terms of like skills and handling and shooting, there is some rawness there that like, especially if he goes to like a good developmental infrastructure, um, I'm not really sure like where that would be in the top five at this point, but like, <laughs> um, you know, a, a, apologies to the, the Charlotte Hornets, Houston Rockets, Detroit Pistons. But um like <laughs> like i think there's so much that like he could be molded into that i have no idea what it would look like or you have no idea or none of us would look like because i think like a lot of times like stars develop in like unexpected ways that nobody saw coming um and i think that's like a real possibility with a man i agree uh i'm gonna be very fascinated to track his career i think he's in the weird spot where like He's probably the last guy that there's just no way he's available on the Pacers pick number, but I still wanted to cover him because I wanted yeah. to talk about him. I mean, if we're going to talk about a star, like might as well. And yeah, well, I already did the top three. You guys. never know. Maybe there'll be some weird stuff and you know, they'll, 
the you, look if the Colts can get Anthony Richardson, who knows? Who knows? I don't. Anthony I Richardson don't, is is the Amen Thompson of 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 the NFL of the NFL draft. So, ooh, I don't keep up with football that much anymore. You know that, but I will say the quarterbacks I like watching are either Pat Mahomes because he's insane, or they can run. And that's and really Anthony fun. Richardson is, Anthony Richardson is both. And he exactly, <laughs> exactly. He could be both. So I don't know if I'll actually watch the Colts this year, but the, the chances of me watching the Colts went from zero oh, to like 10%, so which is, so which is exciting. Watch Anthony Richardson. Now. I forgot you like the Colts. That's very random. I like the Colts more than the Pacers probably <laughs> in terms of the like rooting interests. Yeah, this is not a Colts show, but I, I actually am pretty amped I'm about sure. it. Having him be local and seeing what he sure, can do. I'm sure there are plenty of Colts fans listening. Just I hope so. It. Like when Lamar Jackson was available, air quotes, because I have no idea if he really was. I was like, yeah. oh, I'd, I'd buy tickets. <laughs> that would be cool. That, that would have been cool. <laughs> Tomorrow's show, free agency previews for the two-way guys, Gabe York and Kendall Brown. And the addition of a third two-way means that is certainly an interesting topic for the Pacers. And then Friday. So cool. I love the third two-way. That's so sick. Yeah, that's good for everybody, I feel like. I mean, it's just like, it kind of feels weird, like almost too administrative, but it's good for players. Right, it's good for like the there's it's no the real like, downside. Like, it's, right. everyone loves it. Like, right, yep. And owners got the hard caps. They're like, yeah, I'll spend $500,000. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, uh, and then Friday, you'll see these exact two faces again for Asar Thompson time. Looking forward to that. Thank you all a ton for listening. See you then.